To those of you that have your old-time Bibles tonight, we're going to flip over to the very last page of the book. It's not, um, not far to the end. Verse 17 uh, kind of brings us up to speed for what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. I, I love being in the presence of the Lord. I love anointing. Uh, I listened to your pastor preach, and uh, what a precious, uh, gifted orator you have as your pastor. I listened to him Sunday, and uh, he looks good, he sounds good, and uh, that's filet mignon. This is Viney sausage tonight, so y'all just kind of... Get ready for the rest of whatever is going to happen around here. Amen. Jesus testified and to Israel and said, I am the offspring of David. And he goes on and say, I am the bright and morning star. It was revelation, preaching revelation to them. Through John's reference back to that. And then John continues to write, and the Spirit. Now notice this in verse 17. The Spirit, the capital S. The deity, the eternal Spirit of God. We're not just talking about the Spirit of man that is mortal. But we're talking about the deity and the Spirit of and the bride say come. Amen. I want to, want to preach to you a little bit about that. Uh, and to those of you that are brand new to our church, uh, we're over 90 years old. My family came here a long time ago, 65, 66. That was 19, not 18. 1966 and... We've been here for two-thirds of the historical value of this church. And uh, when my dad came, we had a little building down on the corner of 19th and Lincoln. It was uh, an old basement that they built first. And uh, then they built the superstructure on top. And downstairs was uh, the Sunday school room after they built the superstructure. And um, we all parked on the corner, street corner. We parked up in the Burt T. Owens parking lot uh, till they run us off. And then we parked in the Star Furniture lot till they run us off. And uh, we just had a lot of fun. It was great living for God back then, just like it's great living for God today. And uh, we had, uh, we moved here to the new church, uh, the new old church in 1968. Uh, my dad, uh, we finished that project, and Brother David Mayo came in to dedicate that building for us. And, uh, you know, I just have lots of memory. That was the summer of my 14th year. Uh, I loved working on the church. It was my first project with my father that let us start from the very foundation, and I got to watch it proceed. And uh, after that, uh, my dad was a contractor, and we did lots of construction in this city. But uh, it was my very first project with my dad. 
to do a complete building. And so uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time. And I look forward to uh, remembering those events. I, I remember things like um, when we were building that building, uh, Brother Elmo and Sister Betty came to us and said, uh, you know, the front glass, the double doors in the front of the church, back when they faced 53rd Street, not Dairy Queen, uh, they faced 53rd Street and uh, they were $575. Now, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot today, but that was a lot of money back then. Uh, you had to be pretty high in General Motors to make $200 a week back in that day, and yet they just donated that. And then the windows, they were all $125 a piece, and we, we bought those. And uh, the pews came, and the pews were $200. They were solid oak pews. And we put those pews in the church, and uh, each family bought one or two. And uh, we, we got that building complete, and what a wonderful time it was to be able to show this city you know that, uh, hey, we want you to come to church with us. And the bride says, come. Now, I wasn't there when Sister Angie Jordan and her family took shovels and dug the basement to the church at 19th and Lincoln. I wasn't there when that happened. But uh, I was there when... We built that church. And uh, we went from uh, a congregation of about 30 or 40 and uh, occasionally we'd have 60. We were in a Sunday school contest and had uh, 69. And uh, boy, we were just so excited about that. And uh, when we got the new project done, I remember one of our uh, biggest drives, Mom, uh, on an Easter Sunday morning. We had over 300 in that little sanctuary. It was wall-to-wall -wall people. What a great memory for me to have that. You know, this church has reached for this city. This church has said, come. We've got an altar that we would like for you to pray at. We want you to come. We had an old international school bus that Brother Pettigrew and I and... Uh, Brother Mel Atkins painted, and uh, we painted it green, and then somebody got out there and painted a Noah's Ark boat on the side of it, and it had giraffe, and the head went all the way to the top of the school bus, and uh, man, I'm fixing to, uh, uh, yeah, are y'all on the net? Is the cops going to come over here when I get through with this, or what? I was 16. I drove the 66 passenger church bus to pick up people. <laughs> I'm telling you, God was with us. Emmanuel parked in the parking lot here. Praise God. Pulled out of the church parking lot one day, the door of the church van slung open. Some little girl that lived down in Red Book fell out of the door. Man, hit her head on the concrete. It scraped her up. She had road rash, and we picked her up and put her in the van and took her home and had to tell her mom and dad she fell out of the church bus. And 
Can you imagine what kind of lawsuit that would be today? I don't remember those people's name, but God bless them for not suing us. <laughs> Amen. The church was saying, y'all come on. Come over here. We want to point you to Calvary. We have a Holy Ghost experience we'd like to share with you. Boy, and we did door-to-door knocking. I knocked on every block from uh, the old church in every direction, 10 blocks. I personally knocked on those doors and invited those people. Y'all need to come to church with us. We want you to come be in church with us. And the bride said, come. We were searching for it. Amen. You know, uh, Sister Cook has a son, and uh, he used to play the guitar for our church, and his name was Chris, and uh, Chris and I rode unicycles, and they pulled the green international bus down the streets of neighborhoods. He and I were riding unicycles in front of that with clown suits on. I don't know what that had to do with God, but I'm telling you, we were trying to say, we want your kids to come to church with us. We're reaching for you. Do you know how many semi-loads of hot dogs we've burned over evening fires? Trying to get people dare... A kid from school act like that he might want to go to church. We would get up and drive by there, get them, bring them to the little camp out. We'd do marshmallows. We'd do hot dogs. We'd buy them all kind of drinks. Y'all come to church with us. We have reached for the city of Anderson. My family for the last 55 or 60 years has reached for this city. We have longed. For somebody. Amen. Now think about this with me. Our church is over 90. We have basically had three services a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Now, if you're in leadership, those numbers don't count because you do five other nights of church a week. If you're in leadership, just have a way of showing up all the time. and It's just the way it is. We're reaching. We're trying we got folks that come to the choir practice a couple of times a week and they're here an extra hour early and they're here before the half hour of prayer and so they get up at seven o'clock on sunday and they're here by eight o'clock on sunday and they stay till two in the afternoon go home for 15 minutes and come back for church that night and practice again and we've had the doors open if it was 40 below zero, yeah. our only be only didn't close the doors and lock them. <laughs> he said, we're going to church, and if anybody shows up, yeah. I'm preaching to them. That's right. Y'all come, anybody, yeah. to whosoever will, right. let them come. Drink freely from the wells of salvation. We're... We're waiting on you. Would you just come to church with us for a little while? Would you come? 
we've reached for them. We've desired them to be here. We've passed out candy. Yeah, truckloads of candy. We've had Valentine's banquets. I, I seen a guy one day and I thought, you know, maybe the Lord wants me to stop. And I was driving down the road and I thought, maybe the Lord wants me to invite him to church. And so I drove around the block and he was still walking. And so I drove around one more time and I just pulled the car over there and I said, hey, man. How are you doing? He looked at me and he said, You want a God talk, don't you? <laughs> yep, that's what I drove around. I didn't want to buy drugs. I wasn't trying to give you a picture of my girlfriend. It wasn't anything like that. I was trying to get you to come to church with us. Would, would, you, would you just come to church with us? Just try us one service. And uh, I know we act a little strange around here. It's somewhere between a motorcycle wreck and a rodeo on Sunday nights. But you probably didn't see that at the church you went to. And uh, I, know, I know it's odd. We, but in all of our efforts and all of our workings and all of our desires, there is an ulterior motive. And that is that the bride says, y'all come to church with us. Come and worship with us. Come and find God with us. And I'm going to confess to you, I don't know how people get through those darkest hours of their life when they don't have a church family that will take them by the hand and lift them up and pray for them and pray with them and bless them in those times of hurt. I don't know how they live that. No wonder they hide in a Bible and stick a needle in their arm. And they're looking everywhere trying to find something. And yet they can't find it. And the church has the doors open three times a week. We have people in factories that are waiting to invite somebody to church. We're asking our neighbors and our neighbors' kids. And we long for them to just come and magnify the Lord with us. Let us exalt his name together. Come. Would you please come to church with us? So, three times a week for a year, 150 services. Times 100 years. We've had 15,000 services. That's not counting youth rallies. That's not counting camp meetings. That's not counting. I'm just going to tell y'all, you have to pretty much be an idiot to take 80 kids to youth conference. That's right. <laughs> Sister Bingham and I have drug kids all over this continent. Y'all, come on. Man, if we couldn't bait them up, we'd throw that little youth conference bait right out there. Boy, if they grabbed it, we reeled them in. Yes, ma'am, you can go. Yeah, we'd love to have you go. <sighs> Man, we fought parents over Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Oh, we don't.
don't want our kids to go over Thanksgiving. Oh, please, please, get down on your hands and knees. Oh, please let them go with us. They'd love youth camp. They'll love camp meeting. They'll love National Youth Conference. Please just let us have them. Get them in a car and drive 30 hours. By the time you get back, everybody in the truck hates everybody in the truck. That's right. It's... And you know the funny thing about it is, the next year we do the same thing. Y'all, y'all come go to heaven with us. Come to the altar for a little while. We, we want you to come and magnify the Lord with us. Would you come? Would you come and worship the Lord with us? No wonder Romans chapter 2 said, Thou are inexcusable old man. Now you might live in the Arctic Circle and not, not have anybody knock on your door to go to church. But if you lived in Anderson, Indiana, we've run ads in the paper. We've put ads on the radio. We've put them on the airways. We've done everything. Would we, y'all, y'all just come to church we want you to be saved. We don't want you to be lost. Would you come and magnify the Lord with us? Would you come? Thou art inexcusable, old man. This next little part, I want you to just love me for what I am. I once was young, now I'm old. I see life different at almost 70 than I did at 19. It's different. And we come to church and you walk in and don't be offended at this word till you look at it a little closer. It is in the Bible. The scripture said that the hoary head, that's a gray-headed person. Now, I know Clairol has dismissed a lot of scripture in allowing other things to happen, but God honors and references that hoary head, that old gray-headed person. Pastor preached to us Sunday about my grandma. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. He ignited a fire in me. You know, Miss Frances Elizabeth Hamilton Bingham was born in 1897. She lived to be 95 years old. 95. That's a long time. She and my grandfather evangelized. She played the banjo and sang. One of her favorite songs was, I'd rather be on the inside looking out than to be on the outside looking in. Amen. And uh, my grandpa, he was a, uh, an evangelist at heart. After they had five children, my grandmother stayed at home. 
and uh, she took care of the family and worked at the laundry. And uh, my grandfather would walk to the end of the street, catch the bus, and go preach sometimes for a month or two at a time. And he would make his way back home and uh, spend a few days with his family. Then he was off to evangelize again and again and again. My grandma, I, I wish I had a picture of her today. My grandma had two dots on her head right here. When I was a little bitty boy, I thought she was growing horns. I thought she was <laughs> kinda. Had these two knots on her forehead right there. And uh, they stuck out pretty far, too. And uh, she was my grandma, but I still watched her really close because she had those knots on her head. She had false teeth. Grandpa used to get him a glass of water. He'd put ice in it and set it on the corner of the table. He'd wake up at night. Go in, grab his ice water, clink it a little bit, take a drink. Good cold water in the middle of the night. One night, Grandma put her false teeth in Grandpa's glass. Grandpa got up in the middle of the night, took a big old swallow of that, and her teeth got caught in the corner of his mouth. <laughs> I want to tell y'all... <laughs> She was a funny woman. <laughs> At about 80, I went with my dad down to see her in Tennessee one day, and we pulled up in the driveway. Grandma is 80 on a stepladder painting the side of her house. My dad gets out of the car. Now, he called her this. We couldn't call her this. He said, Monk, what are you doing on that ladder? She said, It's my house. I'll paint it if I want to. Now, now you know where Sister St. Clair gets that spirit about her. And I think those genetics have passed on somewhere along the way, but I'm not going to bring that up tonight. I'm just saying that there are some things that happen in family, and family can talk about that. I don't want you talking about I will talk about that. I'm family. I can do that. And, uh, you know, Grandma was old. We had trouble making sure she'd take a bath. And, uh, but when it came church time, they built a little church, five houses from the end of the street. From where they lived, you just walked down, and the church was right there. And uh, they had small little church, 30, 40, 50. My grandpa was a great big old fat guy. I got those jeans. <laughs> and uh, he was uh, always, <laughs> he always just did things a little different. And uh, they got, yeah. And, and they had those, that little church down there. And when it came time yeah. for them to go to church, grandma was there. Now, I want you to recognize that the same year we built this building, my dad was under the stress and strain of building this building. In January of that year, 
My grandfather passed away. I was 15 years old. I was a pallbearer for both of my grandpas in my 15th year. And when uh, Grandpa passed away, for the next 25 years, my grandma went to church alone. Amen. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to bore you with a bunch of stuff, but I'm just going to talk to you about, it's my family, I can talk about them if I want to. <laughs> Grandma knocks on her head, false teeth. Gray-headed, old hoary head. was at church. Now you would ask yourself, she couldn't remember to take a bath, but she can remember to be at church. Now think about that. She was at church when the doors were open. My grandma lost her first son, Archie, at the age of three. Back then, it was crib death. They, they really didn't know. The older women in the neighborhood told my grandmother, said, Francis, don't get used to having that baby. He's too smart. Babies aren't supposed to be that smart. And he won't live very long. And sure enough, those old wives' adages Came true. Archie died at three years old. and My grandma didn't quit church. She just snugged up a little closer to God. My grandma lost her next son at the age of 30 to a heart attack. James Earl drove a cab, pulled off the side of the road. They found him in the cab, dead. Heart attack. Grandma didn't quit church. My grandma and grandpa went to a church in that little town. And God have mercy on all of those involved. But their pastor had a terrible moral charge against him. He, apparently he did wrong. Judgment Day will tell the answer to all of that. My grandma never quit church. You know, she had a thousand reasons. She looked funny. Why, why, why would she go? She was old. She didn't get to play the banjo anymore. She didn't get to lead service. You get old and you feel useless. You feel... Like there's something missing because you can't give like you one time gave. and You don't have the talent you one time had. and You don't have the control you one time had. Well, it got quiet then, Pastor. All my elders say amen. Amen. The devil makes you feel like it would be better for you. 
to just stay home tonight. Just don't even get dressed up. Just stay home. It's okay. You've done your due. You're fine. You're not going to get to sing anyway. You're not, you're not going to be used to your, your past due in retirement. Just hang out for a little while. Those old godly, hoary-headed, put their teeth in, turn their hearing aids on, come walking into church, and the devil goes, oh, no. You know, they're not, they're not as talented as they once was. But their testimony is bigger than it has ever been. Grandma's saying, come on. If there's anybody in town, I may not do a lot, but I can warm up the seat on one of them seats at church. And I can be accounted on for being faithful you know, it was never a matter of it. He said that he wanted to be faithful and he wanted you to be good. He never said he wanted you to be talented. Or When you get there, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and talented servant. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant unto the Lord. Now, just considering the day, the great judgment day. Hebrews tells us about a great cloud of witnesses. There's going to be one sitting on the throne. Time shall be no more. He's going to judge, the scripture said, the dead, small and great, paupers and kings, presidents and imbeciles. Everybody's going to come before him, one by one. Somebody's going to walk up before the Lord and say, well, Lord, I would have lived for you, but... I had a 30-year-old son that died of a heart attack. And uh, I just couldn't go to church after that. I, I was bitter at you. And God's going to look up in the audience and find someone whose son passed away at 30. Call them out of the great cloud of witnesses. And it's not going to be their singing, but it's going to be their testimony that condemns them. They were made overcomers by the word and their testimony. Praise God. I would like to tell my elders here tonight, you've got purpose. You have a ministry. God is expecting you to bring about this last day. Praise God. Now to my young people. I'm going to tell you. Now, I once was young. Y'all remember that. 
I once was young. You might not believe, but I was young. Amen. Just ask Sister Susie. Ask Sister Darla. She was my youth leader. Boy, she beat me up bad. She cracked that whip. For which now I am thankful. Amen. You come to church and... Oh, Lord, help me. Help me for a minute right here. You know, there's a great division in our... In our it, it looks like there's a great division in the price that our ladies pay for living for God and the price our men pay for living for God. Our ladies go to Walmart and you can pick them out. There's one right over there. Oh, there's one. Yeah, walking in the park. Oh, yeah. See what right over there. Identifiable instantly. You can, you can tell our ladies. You you know them. Amen. And uh, you just have that recognition. And do you know what? You're a witness at Walmart that I can't ever be. I walk through those aisles. They don't know I'm a preacher. Uh, unless there's a quickening of the spirit to someone there, they'll probably never. But when they just see you, you have already preached the sermon that I believe to them. And every time you look that way and you go to the Walmart, you're reaching out to the city. Come this way. Come worship with us. This is the best way you can ever live. Praise God. Amen. Now, I never have been a lady. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm not planning on any changes going on either there. But I have been a man. And my battle may not be what your battle was as a lady. But my battle, I had to be a man. And uh, Dr. Dobson did a thing a few years ago and he talked about how on the eighth day when they carried their men to be circumcised to the temple and the young men were circumcised so they would always be recognized as of the family. It was on the eighth day that their physical body had this first rush. They're eight days old. Has the first rush of testosterone in their body. Wow. Now, was it odd that the eighth day was the day that was chosen? I don't know. I, I wasn't there to write the book. I, I, I did hear Dr. Dobson teach that. But I do know that I don't remember a whole lot about my past, but I do remember carrying that burden of being a man. Yeah. I, I want to say thank you to the ladies that I come to church with here. I don't have to come here and look at you and go, oh my goodness, yes Lord. Spend all night looking up because I can't look down because you're showing so much that if I look at you, then I'm, I'm a man again. You say, well, you need to pray through. I have tried that. I was a man. I, I read in the book that at 19... Young men think about sex every six seconds. 
Now, I wasn't a woman. I didn't have to worry about somebody laughing at the little bun on the back of my head. But I know what it's like to be a man. I fought that war. It was, it was not easy. Now, believe me, at almost 70, that's a different war than it was when I was 19. Amen. You'll figure that out one day. But it was a war. It was daily. It was dying daily. I could fast. I could pray. I could read my Bible. The little girl ride by on a bicycle. She didn't have on enough clothes, but what I could put them in my back pocket. I had fasted for days. I could read a taco sign from eight blocks away. I was starving. But when she went by, Now, I fought that war. <laughs> Praise God. I'm thinking to leave all of that right there, and I'm going to tell it to you like this. On that great judgment day, somebody's going to step out and say, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't handle whichever gender the war was. I couldn't handle that. I didn't want to do this, or I didn't want to do that. And there's going to be somebody in that great cloud of wit. You know what else I like about this? It said there was a number that no man could number. Somebody is trying to say, well, it ain't nobody going to heaven. That's not true. There's go because there was a number that no man could number. They were dressed in white robes and they were around the throne of God. Praise God. What a, what a marvelous testimony. Somebody, somebody's going to heaven, and it might as well be me. Praise God. The devil would like to tell our young people, you can't make it. You're, you're going to be lost. You can't fight that boy battle. You can't fight that man battle. Tries to tell the ladies, oh, the legalism is too heavy. You can't make the, I'm still telling you that when you love Jesus, none of that matters. When you fall in love with God, there's something about. Praise God. And the bride says, come. Y'all come. I got, I got to slow this sermon down. I'm telling you right now, my brain's in overdrive. You may be seated. Now I want to preach a little bit about the Spirit says come. I want to talk about the Spirit that had always been. He was eternal. From eternity past, headed to eternity future. That Spirit that had always been he sat on heavenly balconies and he listened to angels, choirs sing in perfect harmony. Yes, when they come to the high note and the crescendo and it was all at perfect pitch, God loved to hear them sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God 
Almighty. I'm talking about that God robed himself in flesh. He dwelled among us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The eternal holy God came, put on himself the likeness of man, a little lower than the angels. He walked those dusty Judean roads and he went to the leper colonies. Nobody else wanted to go, but he was there saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm talking about that God that had all power in heaven and earth. And in this Easter season, when they laid the cross down and put the nails through him, it was not the rusty spikes that held him to the cross. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. It was his love for me. He could have called 10,000 angels that would have sang to him. But he tasted that bitter cup. And the scripture said he laid down his life for me. That's right. It was his life to give. He was saying, come. All the angels were pointing at the cross. All the angels were waiting on a moment when he would free himself from the burden and the shame and the guilt of sinful man. But he hung there as a God man. He had that dual nature. As man, he got hungry. But as God, he broke bread and fed it to the multitudes. I just come here to let you know today that if you ever thought you ever for a small moment wanted to be saved, that the bride is saying come and that the groom is saying come, would you come and live for him today? Someone, someone might say, you know, I'm 16 years old and I'm not married yet. I'm an old maid. I may not ever, ever get married. I want to tell you there's some things worse than getting married. Some things about marriage is it's commitment. It's not necessarily that feeling of, I'm glad we don't have that feeling all the time. I had that when I first got married, but that wore off after a few years. I still love her. I love her more now than I loved her then. But that fall over and faint feeling's gone. But I do want you to know that on that great day, some young girl says, well, I just couldn't get married. I, I tried and tried. I wrote letters. I sent pictures on the Internet. I introduced myself to boys at youth conference, and I couldn't get married. Out of that great cloud of witnesses, God's going to say, hey, TJ, come here.
She waited a long time. Wasn't like my mom. My mom got married at 15. I was born when she was 16. Somebody's going to say, you know, I, I, I lost a companion. And, and I just didn't have a reason to go to church no more. Out of that great cloud of witnesses. After the church has worked overtime, after God left the splendors of heaven, did His very dead level best to pay the price for your sins. They hung Him on the cross. They pierced His side. And the Bible says forthwith came forth blood and water. The three things that left Christ on the cross... The spirit, the blood, and the water is what he purchased his bride with. And as we stand in this church tonight, First Pentecostal Church, we stand, we, we look, we're still begging them to come. You know, we only have... 300 or 350 members of this church but we're still reaching please come please come and bring your children please come and bring your grandkids and if you don't want to bring them if you'll let us we'll come by and pick them up we'll do whatever we can we're, we're still reaching trying our best I want us to lift our hands to the Lord right now and honor Him in this place you are without excuse tonight for not living for God. If I were you, I would put it in my heart tonight to live for God. Our altars are open. If you'd like to come and stand with us around the altar for a moment, let the Holy Ghost draw our spirits for a little bit. You're welcome. If you need to leave, I know I've been long tonight. If you need to leave, God bless you. Thank you for being here. But if you want to search after the Lord for a moment, if you want to let God draw your heart a little bit, please come. Let's magnify Him together for a little bit right now. Let's honor Him in Jesus' name.